Welcome to Bundle Buddies, this is a podcast where we play indie video games from itch.io and beyond. My name is Alex Honnick. My name is Eric Taylor Roth. And our producer is Matthew Haddock. We started playing through the itch.io bundle for risk, justice, and equality when it was launched in June 2020. It raised over $8 million for charitable causes. We have since added even more bundles and games that celebrate the spirit of indie gaming and social justice. This is episode 75, and we have played 212-212 of the 3,451 games in our bundles, and we promise to play every single one of them. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here to me, too. Uh, Spoiler alert, I've been playing Ratchet's Den. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but... You can. We're going to plug it at the end of this episode. I've been playing it. Spoiler alert, I've been playing it. He's playing Ratchet's Den, folks. Um, Yeah, man. It's it's got its dang hooks in me. It's... uh... Yeah, you know, it's funny because I know that you've been wanting to, like, put a list together, and I'm just now starting to get a feel for, like, what, like, games are starting to kind of, like, fall into very specific categories for me. <laughs> 212 games in, I'm now, like, <laughs> I'm now seeing, it's like Ratchet's Den and Slice and Dice, which it actually isn't even in one of the bundles. I think we just played it because I wanted to play it. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. There we go. Those two games. <laughs> pixelated, pixelated. Like, yeah. That's so you you had to pay. Uh, you had to play 210 game or 212 games to find two that you liked and 210 that you didn't. <laughs> it's not 210 that I didn't, but like. You know, there's a few that have, have like really stuck with me. Totally. Uh, and uh yeah, Ratchet's Den right now. I'm 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 in it. I'm I'm donging around. I love it, dude. That's so great. I, I've been playing a uh <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting game. It's like back before I had a gaming PC, every now and again I would just buy a humble bundle or something like that. You know? How like sometimes you're like, Oh, that game's fun, I wanna play it someday. It's only seven bucks, so I might as well get this, you know, bundle. And there was a game in there called Crown Takers in one of those bundles um, that I just sort of was like, okay, I'm just trying to play all the games in my uh, Steam library that I haven't played before that I just have. And I started playing Crown Takers. It's not a very good roguelike strategy game, but I've played it for like 15 hours, and I really like it. (laughs) It's really... it's, It's not especially good or fun but it's it's the perfect game to play when you're listening to wheel of time and you are on your exercise bike and you want to play a video game at the same time as doing that that's great it's awesome i'm having a really good time with it i love this for you should we should we get into it who's our guest this week our guest is armand at just a hobby games he's a listener who reached out to us and was like hey i like the podcast and you guys don't fucking talk about TTRPGs, which I make and love. Yes. Yeah. Armand, fantastic. Probably listening to this now, unless uh, we spoiled the experience before you. You peeked behind the curtain and you said. <laughs> that was, that'd be so funny if he's like, you know, yeah. I, I wanted to be on it. I'm a listener. And then I had such a bad time making the episode of Bundle Buddies that I was like, I don't want to listen to Bundle Buddies anymore. Even the one that I'm on. Never meet your heroes. Right, Armand? Can you imagine being anyone's hero? No. You're my hero, Eric. Shut up. You are. Stop. I mean I'm, you you keep giving me compliments. And then a hero com- I feel like when we record the episodes, I'm so mean to you that in the uh, bumpers, I need to be so nice to you. Is that a thing? 
I don't know. I don't feel this compulsion at all, so I must not be mean to you in the episodes. It's like uh, in an upcoming episode, you say that I'm just kind of even keeled and I'm like swinging wildly from like oscillating between bullying you and being (laughs) your best friend. I I really don't register being bullied or compliments. It's incredible. (laughs) I'm so. What a a guy. I I just move smoothly through the world. Tell me you're from the Midwest without telling me you're from the Midwest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Armand. Oh, hey. Yeah. Armand's great. And we really, we really get into for for being, sorry, I cut you off. You were going to make fun of me for being from the Midwest. I was, I I was going to do it, but you know what? It's not fair because we're in the bumpers right now where I'm nice to you. So Uh, yeah, you're great. The Midwest is a wonderful place. I love Chicago. The, I like uh, Provel cheese, the stuff they make emos with in St. Louis. I think that uh, pizza is fun. Armand is on this week. We talk a lot about TTRPGs. He has a lot of knowledge about that that Eric and I don't have. So it's one of those episodes where, you know, we talked a lot, but learned a lot, too. That's true. Which is a treat. Yeah. Um, what's the cause this week, Eric? Uh, it's still abortion funds, my friend. Abortion I... funds. Donate, donate, donate. We've got a we got a list on our Twitter. Um, this is this is it. June is happening. And um you know, Supreme Court's about to start really uh, rearing its ugly head here, and um, abortion seems to be one of those things that's going to go off the table, which is horrific. So, um, yeah, give your money, spend your resources there. <sighs> it's it's really- out of the news. It's out of the news right now. If you're listening to this in real time, uh, but it's about to be back in the news again when it actually happens. So. Yeah, it got taken out of the news by uh, more horrific stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, we all we've all lived in this uh, <laughs> decade, so mm-hmm. yeah, we are here, we're here. Anyway, we donated to an abortion fund this week, yeah. and if you donate, send proof to Bundle Buddies Podcast at Gmail dot com. We'll shout you on the show. Let's get into it. All right, sounds good. See you on the other side. Bye. Um, well, Armand, thank you so much for uh, hopping on the podcast with us. Welcome to Bottle Bundies. Uh, Bundies. Alex doesn't know the name of the podcast. <laughs> Eric and I have both been like doing a lot recently. It's funny, you know. Started this pandemic project, and now uh, a lot more is happening in real life, and we're just like really tired on Sundays when we record now. It's <laughs> well, so it's I'm, so funny. I'm definitely hungover today. Today yeah. I went drinking last night. I'm hungover now. If um... If I'm low energy, Armand, it's not. There's don't take it personally. It's I, I, to, I totally get it. Life is life is what it is. Life's coming at <laughs> well, you know. And sometimes people make a decision to eat a chili cheeseburger an hour before recording. Yeah, I had a chili cheeseburger. I I can't. Yeah, I, you know, I thought I was stopping at Tommy's, which is a hamburger place, and I thought I was just going to be able to get just a hamburger. And then I went up to the window, and it was like. No, there, were, there was no option to have only a hamburger. You had to have chili on it. So Tom, I, Tommy's, Tommy's is some trouble, man. That place will, that place will mess you up. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, I told the story the other day. It's the 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 worst uh, like bathroom emergency I've ever had was because of Tommy's. Like no oh, question. Oh, oh man, <laughs> a disaster. That is why I was I, I was like. 
I, somebody was saying something about Tommy's the other day. Yeah, it was me. I told you that story. I told it for about like 10 minutes about how awful the whole experience was. I didn't remember that story until right now. I had to oh, kick my friend man. out of the shower on the way back from a hike because it was oh, such a disaster. No. <laughs> Truly terrible. Um, Armand, Sorry. so... Let's let's break this down. You reached out because you are a sometimes listener of the podcast, uh, which thank you very very much. Uh, I, I would you... I would say a regular listener. I have is that right? To, yeah, I listened to all the episodes. Oh. Uh, I started listening. I don't know, maybe like six months ago, roughly. Uh, wow. Heard, heard about you guys on uh, Hey Riddle Riddle. Sure. Because one of them was on here. Uh, yeah, was JPC like, was on. Yeah, yeah, and I was just like, oh, I've got those bundles. Let's go listen to this, and you know, it's, it's a fun podcast. So. You are literally the use, like the test case of the person who we would hope would find this thing of like, they hear about it. Someone like, oh, I've got this bundles. This is a fun thing to sort of either play along with or like listen to. And uh, thank you. Oh, my God. I didn't want to even assume we had a regular listener. That's so yeah, nice. Yeah, I was like, Simon is definitely a regular listener. And so I've mm-hmm. always assumed that we were only doing this podcast for Simon. And yeah. so now, <laughs> former, formal guest, also a uh, formal, formal guest, former guest. Oh my god, I don't even have an excuse. Former, formal, like, formal guest. I didn't former eat guest. a Tommy's uh, chili burger, so I'm just like a mess, is what this means. I, I just like downed a coffee right before this, just to like give myself an energy boost, and we'll see how how well that works out for us. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I, what I usually do is I, I'll drink two Costco green teas back to back really fast, and then. <laughs> That gives me the the pep in my step that I need. But it takes about 15 minutes to kick in. So, you know, I'll just do the old soft shoe for about 15 minutes. And then before you know it, boy, oh, boy, will I be engaging and charming. It's going to be great. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. The, the actor's process. The actor's yes. Process. At, before coming on the podcast, as a regular listener, now you get the whole the whole uh, song and dance. Um, so thank you for being a listener. Um, it's so cool that you heard about the podcast from the Hey Real Real folks. Um what is like your what's your deal, man? You know, I know you're a tabletop RPG gamer, uh, game designer specifically. Um, how did you get involved in that scene? And like, what, what's it like? I have to admit, I, I've played some Dungeons and Dragons. I've played some board games here and there, but I am far from a TTRPG guy. Uh, and I know there's a wonderful collection of uh, the games and like community of, of that uh, genre on itch. So please tell us about it. Um, yeah, sure. Like I got like my ver- my first experience with tabletop RPGs was way back in the day when I was you know like seven or eight years old mm. uh, in the nineties. Like some of my neighbor like the neighbor kids were playing D anD D back then, which this was like back in the days of second edition, which is oh yeah, AD uh, yeah, like archaic and yeah, it's kind of a pain in the ass to play. But you know, I I, I and I just saw those stupid character sheets that were four pages long and filled with <laughs> tiny tiny script to like fill all your bs information on there and i was like i need to get into this <laughs> this speaks to me <laughs> this, somehow, this, this is right down my alley i don't know why i don't understand it but i need more of this That's, also you know the there was like the pictures helped i mean ad and it had a mechanic for like everything it was like oh you want to take a step like roll to see if that like your foot lands <laughs> just yeah it's like I, I was going through some of the books recently, and just yeah, the amount of charts and dice rolls and like just like graphs you have to put like it's a it's a nightmare. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and like you know, I played for quite a bit as a kid, uh, like Vampire and all these other games that oh, were kind of popular yeah. in the '90s. Yeah, and then 
throughout like my 20s, I kind of, you know, was, you know, like it was like no longer cool to play tabletop RPG. I mean, it was never cool back in the day, but, you know, like I was like, <laughs> well, I'm, Weezer I'm was, now. Weezer was making music about it. So, yeah, <laughs> you can kind of, um, I LARPed, I LARPed uh, vampires and changelings in uh, in high school. I, I wanted to LARP it so bad, but like my parents were kind of strict when I was younger and wouldn't let me go out late at night into the city to, you know, pretend to be a vampire with a bunch of people who were older than me. So, <laughs> Yeah, that honestly sounds like a nightmare for a parent, you know? I'm going to go hang it, like, run with, like, the gothest kids Looks like these weird there. people who are 20 years older than me half the time. <laughs> but I got, I got to do that once, and that was fun. <laughs> yeah you're lucky we have we, we have like on this podcast sort of uncovered just sort of the kind of unexamined city kid life that eric had uh for in chicago for a long time they were like really strict and then like i got into high school and at some point they just it was just like they had their own lives and i got to wander the nights the park the the um the public park in rogers park had a wonderful like director who like taught us improv and then also started running like a LARP night. So like we got to Friday nights, just have an entire like park building to ourselves as well as like the surrounding park to just like play vampires. It fucking ruled. It was awesome. The, a... the one time I got to do it was actually in Glendale here in Los Angeles. And that was like, just it was just this, this building that's still there, like Broadway and I forget, Brandon Broadway or something like that. There's just this building mm -hmm. that has like this like really cool sort of like open air, but underground environment. It's hard to describe. And yeah, I got to play one time there and there was a lot of, you know, like rock, paper, scissor to oh, yes. <laughs> resolve God, stuff. Yes. Um, but yeah, and then like, yeah, through my 20s, I was kind of like hands off on it. And then somewhere in my late 20s, early 30s, uh, I just got, you know, interested in it again. And then I kind of like learned about some of like the upcoming like indie scene in the tabletop RPG realm which is you know like about you know like kind of like about the same time the indie scene was really popping in video games i think and yeah i started you know like i got into like faith which is kind of like a more narrative driven rpg system mm. um and eventually got introduced <laughs> i got into faith god <laughs> jesus all that stuff <laughs> yeah i mean that's, yeah <laughs> narrative driven rpg system there you go <laughs> rpgs man that's that's the cutting edge stuff right there that's where you want to be <laughs> uh no like it's fate core is i think what it's generally known oh, cool. as and then yeah at some point i got into powered by the apocalypse games which are like these are like very narrative driven rpg systems they're very if you, all you've sort of played is D D and that genre of game or that style of rpg um a powered by the apocalypse game can seem almost radically different it's Everything is like all the moves, which are essentially like your skills or abilities that you would have in a in a more traditional RPG, are all like like a paragraph of text usually, and they're very descriptive of like the kind of like in a storytelling way where like everything you do doesn't have just like so in D D if you like let's say you swing your sword and you attack someone you have a binary effect you either hit or you miss and then you calculate your damage yada yada mm -hmm. here it's much more like you can. You can succeed, you can fail, you can get somewhere in between, and then all those things lead to narrative options that kind of like really help um, someone who's running the game kind of like lead the story in new places, raise the dramatic elements of the story, and really kind of like it's man, it's I I went to I went to this system and I haven't been able to look back because it's just so the things it does for narrative storytelling are just very exciting and very fun, and especially if I've run I like I run a weekly game. Um, 
usually in this system or in this genre of systems or whatever. And it's I'm constantly surprised by where the game goes, even though I'm the GM, because it's just so... It get, these games give you the tools to tell stories in ways that you just can't do on your own because they're, they're kind of like leading you in these narrative paths that you kind of then get to elaborate on with the player group and everything. And it's it's That's very awesome. exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it sounds I, really cool. I had only because I've only done like the D&D stuff. Um, and so and I've heard. I don't know what games friends of mine are playing, but they're you know, it sounds kind of similar. And from like the outside, it, it seems so um like impenetrable in a lot of ways which is funny because i think for a lot of people D D feels like that but just because that's the game that i've been playing for such a long time um that sounds so cool <laughs> i'm it, like yeah it, it's it's super it's, it's man it's so it's like it's at this point it's like the most fun i have doing anything like including like you know video games and any other hobbies or interests that like it just like it's just like this weekly thing where i get to like for three hours once a week i get to just really just like live in this world where we're just like i have no like at the beginning of every session i have no idea what's going to happen even though i'm the gm which isn't like and i i want to make it clear like i do enjoy dnd i've played my share of fifth edition i think fifth edition is a great system uh for running that style of game and it's i think of all the dnds i've played which i think there's like three of them at this point that is i think the most fun and approachable game yeah but um, like I'll run this game called Dungeon World, which is in the powered by the under the powered by the apocalypse umbrella. And like one of the best ways to sort of sell people on Dungeon World is something I read on the internet, which was like Dungeon World is what you thought D and D was going to be until you played D and D. And it's like you and I can like sit that I can get a group of people who've never played a role playing game and like just get started on on a game like Dungeon World and they don't need any they don't need to read the books they don't need to read the you know like 200 page players handbook that D&D has or anything like that you just you can just like it's very easy to get right into and like any any beginner to the system or RPGs in general can like just sort of like roll right into it because it's such a simple system once you understand the basics as the GM so could you like bring us into like the kind of nitty gritty about what makes it so interesting, you know, or like how it's a different. So in D and D you you have to have all this information. You're working off these tables, you're rolling dice, you're adding modifiers and stuff like that. Let's say, so Eric and I are playing a game and we uh, approach a goblin and we start to talk to the goblin and we decide, you know, you know what, we're going to try to charm the goblin, you know, what, what the, I know what we would do in the D and D framework. But what would we do in the um, Powered by the Apocalypse framework? Uh, in, in a lot of ways, it's going to be very similar to what you're used to with D&D. You're going to roll some dice, and then you're going to get a result from that dice roll, and then that's going to kind of tell you how to proceed. The mm-hmm. main difference here is, so like in a game like Apocalypse World, you roll two six-sided dice, um, and if you get... And there might be a modifier, like you'll get like plus one or two, minus one or two, that kind of thing, depending uh-huh. on your stats or what have you. Uh, but if you get over 10 on your roll, that means you had a great success. Things went exactly how you wanted. The goblin is on your side, can't wait to do your bidding, whatever you're trying to get <laughs> out of the out of this little fella. Uh, and if you Eric get... is unfortunately getting a negative one modifier because his character ate a Tommy's chili burger. So, <laughs> so in this situation, he's got a nine from the perfect 10. Uh-huh. <laughs> goblin, can we use your bathroom? <laughs> 
<laughs> We're trying to charm the goblin into letting them use our bathroom. <laughs> the goblin, goblin, our bathroom. goblin, I need you to get out of the shower. I need this bathroom right now. <laughs> we have no time. Uh, yeah, if, if you get a six or lower, um, that's a complete fail. That's when the GM gets to do what uh, Apocalypse World calls a hard move, which is just like you get to just basically be as mean as you want. Um, in the game setting, kind of like really push it towards bad stuff happening but then one of my favorite things about this system is that there's that middle ground where it's a seven to nine if you get anywhere there that means you got a partial success and this could mean anywhere from you know you get part of what you wanted but it's not that great in this case maybe you're like trying to convince the goblin to let you pass through you know this dungeon or whatever without calling his friends and the goblin's like yeah i'll do it but i'm gonna need to see some cash first you know that like there's like okay, now sure. a second step or it could be um you can do it, but I'm going to give you some sort of like, yeah, you can do this, but like, there's going to be some sort of added um, penalty or something that like, I, I'll let you do this, but you know, like all these, the goblins are going to be cool, but then the hobgoblins are going to be super pissed and they're going to come at you. Like, you basically like start negotiating with the player about like wh whether they want to do the thing that they partially succeeded at, or if they're going to just be like, no, nah, that sounds too bad. I don't want anything to do with this and kind of mm -hmm. like seek a different approach. At like the basis level, that's kind of like the main difference is this kind of like it's no longer a binary thing. It's much more there's like this middle ground that kind of like starts opening up new opportunities. And this is there's a way that this sort of begins to snowball where like, oh, now we have a partial success. Oh, the goblin wants you to, you know, like, oh, he'll, he'll let you go. But you got to take out his, you know, you got to take out his boss because he doesn't like his boss and he wants to take over the goblin clan or whatever. So now you got this new thing and you go and sneak up on the boss and like, oh, but the boss is like, you know, expecting you for some reason. So you got to roll to sneak and like you get a partial success there. And it's just like, I do oh, think we need to redirect this idea to Eric has to use the goblin toilet. It's the only <laughs> thing I want to say. This goblin boss thing, I can tell we're snowballing and going in a really great direction. But, you know, I do want to honor that his character has to use the bathroom yeah you, you get to that bathroom and i ask you to roll you know to like see how what the condition is there and it's you can use it <laughs> but it's really backed up right now it's gonna be oh, hella nasty yeah. you don't uh. you, it's 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 gonna it's gonna really stink up the place it's, it's bad man <laughs> you sure you, you sure you also want to go with this or are you just gonna go right there outside and so the snowballing would be he goes in there uh you know it's a, he uses it anyways and then it's like a critical fail and like something comes out of the toilet or something like that to attack him or it just he's just going to be sitting there for the next eight hours while everything happens around him because oh that's that funny. <laughs> um, and yeah, and like there's been you guys may, may you guys may have heard of uh, Blades in the Dark, which is a game um, that was sort of like directly like almost like a spin-off of the Apocalypse World system. Uh, and that was more like if, I don't know if you guys have ever played the game video game series Dishonored. Uh, I've I've I got them on a Steam sale a, f a little bit ago, but I, I started playing one and was like, "This is pretty cool," but I, I I wasn't so compelled that I had to keep on playing. What's uh, uh, What's Dishonored like? It's Dishonored is it's almost uh, kind of like I guess like the original version of this genre of game would be something like Thief on mm -hmm. PC, where it's much more it's a lot more of a stealth kind of game. You're trying to like move through dungeons in a first person perspective without getting seen, you know, and like the fights are much deadlier, so Stealth yeah, is kind of I like played. Thing. I played a little bit of Thief and found it very difficult. That was a game that I was like, I mean, it's like I tried to like. I don't think I could beat the first like level of it or what. You know, just sort of like I kept trying to like cross and get caught, and it was like and then people, yeah, would shoot me and I'd die, and it was like, all right. The thief, thief can again. be. 
Thief can be a lot. It's, it's, it's somewhat of an older game, too, and as we all know, those can be a little hard to get into these days. Um, Dishonored is much more ac accessible, um, but, and Blades in the Dark very much like is based on that kind of setting. It's sort of like a very, um, uh, like, what is that? Like, like maybe 1800s, you know, like technology is kind of like popping up, but it's not quite there. It's in this like dark city. It's very grim and uh, gloomy, but um, it's, it's a game that really took off as a sort of like a parallel to uh, the Powered by the Apocalypse system. I'm kind of going off on tangents here. I can really talk about this all day. So no, I love it. It's so funny because like usually my experience with TTRPGs is like, oh, that sounds cool and like something fun I would like to do. But I'm usually just mad because in the itch bundles, the art for all of them is so good. And I click on it and then it's like not something I can just play. You, you know what I mean? You need friends. You do yeah. need friends. I mean, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell you guys, I, I run a game weekly, and I do it all online through Discord. We use a website called uh, Roll20 to do all our, like, yeah, uh, sure. uh, yeah, yeah, like, character sheet management and dice rolls, Discord for, like, chatting and, like, kind of, like, organizing the whole thing. And it's, you know, like, I've got, uh, I think, like, six players right now, which is kind of insane. Um, but, and we manage to play just about every week because, like, the online setting really you know like you don't have to go anywhere i can you can, you can just pop onto your computer at you know seven o'clock on a wednesday kind of thing play for three hours and then go to bed afterward without having to deal with the hassle of driving somewhere and like all the time that it used to take to play a role-playing game and are you yeah. like when you like do that are you playing one of the game uh like sets you designed like in that situation or are you just kind of doing a, a broader campaign of some kind uh, like it'll depend on from like one campaign to the next, but they're almost always much more of like a freeform thing. Um, these systems, particularly like the powered by the apocalypse systems, really encourage improvisational GMing. Like you're discouraged from, you know, pre-planning the entire adventure. Like you know, like I'll basically go in with a handful of like bullet point notes. Like this is what the bad guys are wanting to do right now. This is what like you know the other guys are trying to do. This is like the situation, the setting, and then we just take it from there. And like the game really facilitates the storytelling part of the the whole um, RPG experience in ways that, like, you can do it with D and D, but like, I think it. I think something like Powered by the Apocalypse actually makes it easier for a GM who maybe not, maybe isn't as great at just coming up with stuff on the fly and improving and like really just like rolling with whatever punches the players throw their way. It's it's I, I, it's it's kind of hard to just explain you know in this like shorter kind of like period and like the best way to experience it is just to actually just play it um and having you know having an experienced gm in that area can really help a lot especially introducing someone to this system that is so different from D and more like traditional games but once you start playing it, it like it's surprising how easy it is like like I've got, you know, I've, I've had players that are both like longtime people who've been playing since they were kids to people who this is like their very first game they've ever played. And in every case, like within a session or two, they are they are there. They understand what they're doing. They understand their options. Some of the some of my new players, the people who like this is their first game, like are the most excited about it because it's just really there's just you get to, you know, like you get to like play out these wild fantasies that you just can't do in real life. And you can't even really do with video games because yeah, because video games are kind of, this is it. This is the game. Yeah, you play. You play the game. Yeah, I, I'd love to talk. Or I'd love to hear. Um, Alex brought up that you make you make games. You make uh, tabletop RPGs. Um, tell me about the experience of getting into that. What and and how is that different than like, you know, running a campaign? What where 
where kind of are you in, you know, your process and your creative process as far as that goes? Um, so yeah, I first started doing this, man, like eight or nine years ago, I started, I started working on some game. I don't even remember what it was called then, but it was like, I wanted a game that was kind of like D and D, but like a little easier to play and get into. And I just ended up spending, you know, like a year or two working on this game where you play as a bunch of kids with magical powers and like, you know, like you, but it was still, it was like, it's still very D and D. Like it had like grids and like, you know, you moved around and you had like spells and all this stuff. And then as I got more and more comfortable with powered by the apocalypse, like I think my first real foray into like making a slightly more sophisticated game than just another D and D rehash mm-hmm. was, so there's this old PC DOS game series called wizardry, which you guys okay. may, may have heard of. It's essentially like one of the earliest dungeon crawl games. Um, nothing about like you know like grid based like you're in a dungeon you move like space one space at a time everything is turn based it's like the farthest thing you could imagine from like a narrative tabletop role-playing game (laughs) and i was like i'm gonna convert this system into a powered by the apocalypse game which is kind of a a stupid idea but um (laughs) (laughs) but i dedicated you know like a year of my life to working on that and then as soon as i was not was that not successful or was that did you it was like I, I. It was mostly just like a sort of like um, intellectual and creative uh, challenge more than yeah. anything. And like the minute I was done writing it, I was like, "Oh, I'm done with this forever. I never want to touch this again." <laughs> uh, and then I just and I kept just doing that. Like I just like I would find these like weird things that didn't really make sense as tabletop RPGs, and I would just like start making them into tabletop RPGs, like largely for my own fun really um and it's not like it's only like the last couple games that i've worked on that have been a little essentially like you know like most like most things um the more you do it the better you get and the better you understand how to do it and do it right and the last couple have been a little better a little more interesting i made one called huntervania which was based entirely on the first season of Netflix's Castlevania cartoon. Oh, cool! <laughs> not the video games. Not yeah, even yeah, I remember seasons. the cartoon. Right. <laughs> it's not even like a great cartoon. Like it's entertaining, but it's like who the hell? Like it's it's not it's not something that was like impactful. And I was like, oh my god, this is the coolest cartoon. I got it. Just I don't know. I saw it and I was like, I want to make this a game. Um, and I did. And I'm, it's it's a game that I've played a handful of times with friends. Um, but not and I've got it on itch.io, and it's I think got a couple thousand downloads at this point. Um. I don't charge anything for these things because I don't expect anyone's going to pay for them. It is mostly a hobby. Um, well, as, I mean, as your as your name says, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, um, just the hobby games is really much, very much just saying like I'm doing this because I enjoy it. This is for fun. So, tell you know I've never, I've never played like, I guess yeah. I I would love to hear a little bit more about like okay what what is it that you are writing? Are you writing stat sheets are you writing character sheets what are you because i've yeah this this is a little bit i have a little bit of a blindness as far as um yeah this sort of world of because to me it's you know like the mechanics are kind of i guess yeah i don't know what are you so yeah what are you do, what are you doing <laughs> like oh. like you know use the use the castlevania uh you know like what is what is it that you are creating what does the document look like is it you know i'll I'll talk about the one i'm working on right now just because it's a lot more fresh in my mind than the hunter mania game uh i've been working on a game now called invaders which is 
like all my games, uh, based on something else. It's based on the XCOM series of games. I uh, freaking love the XCOM Yeah, and I'm, games. I'm a long-time fan Alex. of those as well. Oh <laughs> I've been playing XCOM since the DOS days. Uh, you know, I still... An yeah, the original, the, the very, the very spooky originals. Yeah, and up to, like, the most modern one. And, like, one of my things with XCOM has always been, like, I love these games. I love, like, the base management part of it. But I want to know more about these characters that I'm sending off to die against right. aliens. Like, I want to yeah. know what their lives are like, you know, while they're at the base, just hanging out with each other, that kind of thing. Yeah. So so I started working on Invaders. Um, and, like, the first thing I, you know, like, I've got the idea. I've got the setting. I've got the thematic elements. I've got the sort of, like, um, what is it? Uh you know, like all the things that make an alien invasion setting work, the tropes that you, if mm -hmm. you will. Um, and then I start thinking about, okay, how can we take these tropes and apply, like mechanize them so that they can work in a setting where like dice rolls essentially lead you to follow these tropes, either down the line that they usually go or to subvert them in some way. And, you know, I'll start with like the basic dice mechanic. This is how the dice system is going to work. It's at, at the most basic level, like, you know, you roll six sided dice, you know, like maybe you have some stats that go with it. In this case, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty, but like it's because <laughs> it can go, I could go on, you know. So you have, uh, you're not going to, you're not using, are you using like the same kind of like lower than, lower than six is a fail, you know, seven to nine is a, um, partial success greater than nine is a success or is it are you sort of tooling around inside of that does that propriety does that like intellectual property belong to um apocalypse games and then you're doing something else or are you like are, what what mechanics are you borrowing what and what are you re, like totally rebuilding from the ground up so uh first off like the one of the great things about powered by the apocalypse is it's totally free for anyone to make games in that system like there's uh -huh. no restrictions whatsoever anyone can just make a game that uses the system and can sort of like spin off of it and make games that are parallel to it but also different i'd like to think i'm doing a bit more of that because at this point there are literally thousands of powered by the apocalypse games out there because it is a system that is easy to kind of get into and it's also really uh, well, and it's it's there's a lot of them, and you want to have to you want to kind of stand out a little bit. So I'll uh -huh. I'll you know I read a lot of RPG books, um, and I'll borrow from games left and right, you know, like ideas from games. So this Invaders game's got elements of Powered by the Apocalypse in it, but it's also got um, this like it's got you know like uh, God, I'm forgetting all the names of the games now. Uh, there's it's definitely borrows you know left and right. Um, and then it kind of you, you take these elements, you take these ideas, these mechanical ideas, and try and find ways to lean into the tropes and the sort of like the genre fiction that you're trying to develop. Which Powered by the Apocalypse is really good at that. It's each game is sort of like really leans into the genre that you're going for. D and D does D and D really well. Right. Apocalypse World does a very specific type of post-apocalyptic setting really well. Mm -hmm. um, Monster of the Week. Uh, which is a game I, that there's a very popular podcast called Adventure Zone. Uh, they played their second season was Monster of the Week is what they played there, which really blew that system up. That's a game that was um, based on things like Supernatural and uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that really leans into those kinds of tropes and genre mm -hmm. fictions. Um, so it's really a matter of like melding mechanics with these systems. You want the mechanics to really push these genre tropes and really kind of like get into them. Because if you're playing... You know, if it, when, if and when Invaders, you know, becomes a thing, anyone who wants to play this is going to want to play a game that really 
feels like if XCOM was much more about the people rather than about the turn-based tactics. Yeah. Uh, like there's still combat, there's still all that stuff in this game, but like a lot of it is what are what is my relationship with my fellow squad mates? How do I feel about these aliens that are invading? You know, like a lot of the XCOM fiction is that there's these sort of like overlord aliens or whatever that have gone around the universe conquering other alien species and then kind of like forcing them into their armies and like doing all sorts of mad science experiments on them to make them better fighting machines like how do these guys feel about fighting this war for you know their oppressors on other lands also will they let me use their bathroom on the spaceship (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) um so it's a lot of yeah it's a lot of just really exploring genre tropes and finding ways to like mechanize them and make them um be fun for the player and that's sort of like the goal here is just and there's and i you know like i like to lean into um sort of like anime drama of things you know like Uh just like the kind of like over the top like you know like backstabbing and like oh no like you hurt my feelings about this thing there's a lot of like feelings involved in these games oh i love that i love like because you know it's fun about like when you play a game like xcom you can't help but create a narrative in some way you know what i mean like and and they give you so little but you are like oh yeah you know my tank is like he's kind of getting his ass kicked you know he probably feels you know anytime any of them die you like you're like oh no i remember when like you know like chelsea was able to snipe over his shoulder and like save his life she must be feeling like devastated right now that like we're leaving but so i i think that that's like really smart and cool to lean into the narrative side of it because it's a game that um, kind of in in its lack of doing it, it makes you want to do it sort of in your own head while you're playing it. So cool to just like, yeah, lay that out there. Um, I love that. It's so interesting that the, the, these kind of games, the, the prospect of it is so fun because uh, Armand, I don't know if you have sort of tracked this, but, Eric and I met doing comedy in Chicago and sort of a community of folks that got up in front of people and made stuff up sort of whole cloth for comedic effect all the time. And there's so many tenants of these two skill sets that are like so similar, but when it comes like for some reason with um, tabletop RPGs, it's just like, I don't feel like the same kind of like confidence or like draw to play them, even though on paper, this is like the kind of shit that I would absolutely love. It combines like the kind of, uh, in, like it, larger improvisational like structure with like my interest in sci-fi and fantasy and narrative and all all these elements that you can't really explore with improv on stage because it's you're trying to accomplish different things, but it just feels like this weird barrier uh, between oh, yeah, me like, and I it. Think the the mechanics stuff, it's sort of like what uh, you were saying, Armand, in terms of like it is really helpful to have an experienced, genius, yes, right, like and yeah. that when you do that when you have somebody, you know, you really just need somebody who's like done all the work, really likes it and enjoys, you know, the prospect of like running a game because then you, then you're free to play inside of it. But yeah, when you're, when you don't really have somebody like when you have someone who's pretty inexperienced trying to like run a game, it can be so, um, yeah, it can be a lot harder to like find that, you know, immediately enjoyable in this, in the way that you're sort of talking about Alex. Yeah. I think, you know, like to kind of like, um, use the improv comedy, um, world as an example, and I'm, I'm, I'm not an improv comedian. I'm, you know, it's not something I'm 
uh, familiar with other than just it seems like every other podcast I listen to is run by uh, improv comedians. <laughs> um, so I've you know, picked up secondhand what that world is like. But I imagine, you know, like the first time you went on stage and you were asked to like make jokes for an audience of people who were only half interested in what you were doing, like that must have been terrifying, you know, and I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of um, a lot of pressure and a lot of stress involved. And it, it there was a learning process there. And it's I think it's a lot of the same kind of thing. It's just like, you know, I'm sure you guys had some improv teachers and coaches or whatever. Um, who are really helping you out in the process early on, you know, like, yeah, having an experienced GM there can really help facilitate that process. Like, I'm sure, like, if I, like, took someone through or took a group of, like, brand new players through uh, a Powered by the Apocalypse game, like, you know, like, a handful of sessions, like a little mini adventure to give you an idea of it, like, I feel confident that most people, especially if they have an interest in this and a passion for this kind of thing, could from there just pick it up and be like, all right, we got the tools that we need, we know how this works, and then just kind of, like, play it on their own. And it might not be, you know, there's going to be some, um, there's going to be a learning curve and there's going to be some, uh, some obstacles in the early parts, but like, but there won't be like drunk people throwing beer bottles at them and yelling that to like, get off the stage. Which, I mean, which you know, almost playing. never happens. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I threw a lot of bottles at people on stage. <laughs> Um, I think this is the perfect spot to kind of segue into uh, the next conversation. That yeah. was really fascinating, Armand. I'm sorry we didn't get into video games at all with you, but uh, this is like it's so interesting. I mean, the the uh, apoc the powered by apocalypse system sounds like it just makes everything so much easier than D. You know what I mean? If I just had to have two six sided die and like a little packet of stuff to read, and then that was it, that would be so much more fun we should be, with... they should be paying us <laughs> for this episode because this is like such a like advertisement for this I, now i want to play yeah me too they should be paying you armand maybe not us <laughs> at I, this I, point. I am i am a happy evangelist for these for these games like i mean I, like i like i said i i have nothing against dnd i think it's a lot of fun for what it does but like you know, like and RPGs, tabletop RPGs have really blown up in the last five to ten years, um, more so than ever in the past. And like, it's it's a little sad to me just that ninety eight percent of the people out there it feels like are just playing D and D, which again is a great game. But like, this is a world with like literally thousands of options for how you can yeah. play these games, and there's so many different ways to play uh, to enjoy tabletop RPGs that are not D and D that are fun in just completely different ways and yeah it's i i love telling people about it i love introducing people to the hobby if i can if i can get a group of like brand new players at my table there's nothing that excites me more because it's like oh boy time to like time to show these guys something that just they've never done before like that's just going to be really fun and different than what they've experienced in the past you had a good week of games you know here on the here on bundle buddies which is <laughs> Not always the case. Um, <laughs> we played three games this week. They were, uh, let's start with the first one, which was uh, Water's Fine uh, from the Ukraine Bundle by Ouch, O-W-C-H, an action arcade diving procedurally generated roguelite uh, horror game. And the description is a procedural diving game with two endings, CW, horror elements. Okay, this little game is so fucking fun. I probably <laughs> played this more than anything else this week, which is so funny because I kept on coming back to it. Um, you're a little diver. You're jumping from this uh, boat, going down, collecting money and sort of encountering bad guys on the way down. And uh, as you go deeper, you expend more air. And if you run out of air, you die. If you get hit by anything, you die. 
Um, but if you go back to the top and return the money, you save up your money and then you can buy power ups, um, which is sort of like the roguelite element of it, where, you know, as you buy more power ups, your character gets stronger and you can do more in the game and you can kind of unlock more. Um, so that's kind of the, the general gif gist of it. The gif? Uh, yeah. The general uh, gist of it. It's like, it's a very 8-bit um, game. And it's the swimming mechanic I found to be very frustrating at first. Just because I was like, it wasn't moving in a way that I... Uh, We're using a keyboard or a controller. I was using a keyboard, baby. My controller... Just use the my, controller. I, use the controller. I, you broke my computer. You came over here. You put your you put your USB stick in my computer, and now my computer does not like my controller anymore. So I've been using exclusively. I'm not playing Elden Ring anymore because of you, Alex. Oh my god! This is, this is not your fault, but I'm blaming you. Why um, do you not have a something to plug a controller into your computer, like a, a USB sort of thing? I don't think so. I mean, I'll have to dig around. Oh my god! I, I don't. I don't think so. How do you charge your controller? Batteries. <laughs> I remember when you were first talking about this on a previous episode, and like I was listening, sitting there, like I just want to go over to his house and fix this for yeah, him. Like I, I was just so like, like I've been a, I've been using computers since I was like nine years old. So I'm like, you know, like troubleshooting. I know I've been a Mac to. boy, a Mac boy, and a console boy for such a long time that I'm like now it's pcs and i'm like i'm so i feel so useless like i don't want to do anything because it upsets this this very delicate balance i have anyway i found so i what i was saying what before i was so rudely interrupted by uh by my uh, co-host um was that initially i i found the swimming mechanic to be it just like the just to be more you know the 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 fluidity of it uh i don't know it was it was difficult up top like i i couldn't you know which i think is kind of part of it right like it it's a swimming game definitely i will say that it using a controller to swim was a delight and i had a lot of fun <laughs> navigating around the place and i'm not trying to be a little bastard i really felt that way like i was like oh this is so fun to just sort of be in the space and swim around uh the sound design in this game is really cool yeah as you go deeper there's sort of like this deep like chord that starts to play you know like it's like more and more intense the further down you go um, which is awesome. Uh, this like the swimming sounds, the interacting with the world sounds, everything's just like really nice and sort of like eight bitty. It was a very cool, like well made little game. I was really impressed. The mu- the music's also like yes. it's very low key and subtle, uh, yes. but when it pops in, it just like yeah, it's got this like cool. It sounds great. It's got a slightly creepy quality to it. Um, and yeah, I, I played on with a controller, obviously, and it was definitely fun to just swim around in there, even though I died a lot, uh, yeah. especially early on, because it is... You will die a lot. It's classic uh, roguelite sort of situation where the whole point is that you're going to die a lot. Um, I Yeah, it's funny, too, because it took me a second to realize when you got the money, you're supposed to bring it back up to the boat, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that feels actually kind of atypical in a, in a good way. Um, right where you're um you know you're normally it's just sort of like you collect the money you die you have the money right and but uh the process of like returning it back up to the boat what i thought was cool about this was that you know it was like in my brain i was like well i could just dive 
grab the like quickest money I can and bring it back up to the boat. Like, why don't I just play like that? And it incentivizes you by saying, oh, you're going to get more money. The bags of money, you know, are higher values, the farther, the deeper you mm-hmm. go. But also the sound, that sound design and that music, I, that's what made me want to go deeper and deeper. Yeah. Totally. More than like the actual, mechanics of the game themselves and I, and so i thought that that was really cool it actually reminded me uh musically of like outer wilds um the like newer dlc has like this you know kind of cool creepy um you know place in the game but like it God, i still haven't beaten fucking outer wilds man i picked it i booted it up the other day and like started to play again and i was just so frustrated with myself <laughs> I'm thinking about restarting the whole thing to see if like where I missed the thread or something like that, you know, I'm in, I'm in the same boat, man. I tried to play that game because everyone I know was just like, Oh, so good. And then like the controls were so that's a, that's a very fair complaint about that game. I, I, I was just, I was so in love with it until I kind of, cause it's just like as an exploration game. Anyways, that's new to hear than Eric. Please continue. No, that was. I actually just wanted to get us all to talk about Outer Wilds. <laughs> no, new DLC uh, I want to play so bad, but uh, I, uh, yeah, no, I, I never actually finished uh, the new DLC. Anyway, um, it's very cool to me to design a game like this, right? Which is very, you know, sort of like old school in terms of its mechanics, but then to incentivize like the deeper exploration and do that through this sort of like sonic quality or this artistic quality where I want to go deeper and deeper, not necessarily because, uh, you know, that is like a better game choice, which it like is right. But also because like, it's giving me something intriguing uh, from a sort of like emotional perspective. I think that that's neat. There, there was, yeah, there was a lot of, like, I want, like, especially, like, once you beat the first boss, and then, you know, like, the music suddenly changes up, and... Uh, okay, you know, some of us didn't beat the first boss, so... Oh, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> okay. Did, did, did either, either of you guys finish it? No, no. I did not. Oh, did man. You? Oh, yeah, no, I, I saw both endings, because this was, like... Oh, cool. Yeah, like, much like... Uh, you guys you were saying uh you know like this was when i first saw the three games i was like oh this looks like some like game boy shit i'm gonna probably like play this for half an hour and then bounce off of it but this was the one mm-hmm. that i kept coming back to over yeah. and over again i wanted to keep exploring um and once once you unlock enough stuff especially once you unlock the missiles or the torpedoes uh-huh. it gets it gets significantly easier especially the bosses and yeah you get deeper and deeper and I don't know. Like, do you do you guys want me to spoil what happens? Because no, no, I, I, I want to play this game. I'm I want I want spoilers. Okay, I'm gonna take off my I'm gonna take off my headphones. You can spoil the game for. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, spoil. And then give me a wave. Give me a wave when it's time. Ahead, spoilers ahead. Yeah. So there's three bosses. You go deeper and deeper. You fight the bosses. When you get the torpedoes, they don't. They're not that hard. And then you get to the very bottom of the ocean. And at the very bottom of the ocean is a house. Like just like a straight up 2D house, like that someone draws, you know, on a piece of paper, uh-huh. and you go into the house, and suddenly the game becomes 3D, where you're walking through this three-dimensional house, like exploring this house that's all in 3D, like it's it's like super lo-fi 3D, but you're there, and you explore, you collect some stuff, you find this giant blood monster with eyeballs on it, 
and the blood monster asks you if you want power or not. And if you say yes to wanting power, you kind of like end up in this room by yourself and you're trapped in the house forever. And that's like the, the sad ending or the bad ending. Okay. And if you say no to wanting the power, um, then you just get to leave the house and you get to swim back up and you get a fun little like credit roll as you're swimming back up. And it's like a much more cheerful ending. But yeah, when it, when, when I first got to that 3D part, I was like, like vocally was just like, oh my God, what's going like? It's, I love that. That's it's incredible. out there, man. It, it, yeah, it changes up. It's, this was, this was a much better game than I expected it to be. I was all very right, impressed right. by we, it. We can give Alex the wave. Alex, you gotta, you gotta fucking, pl- you gotta play this game or listen. To you, gotta get, you gotta get your controller working. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> well, okay. Final thoughts. Uh, I'm a definite play on this. I think this is really cool. I was also, I think that's a very funny way to put it. Some game boy bullshit. And I, <laughs> and then I was like delighted every bit of the way through. And I picked it back up a couple times. And I'm going to keep on playing. Uh, Eric, what about you? Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I thought it was, um, it's funny. I honestly hearing the game spoiled to me. I'm like, this is a play. Like, you, you know, it does something really cool uh, and sounds unexpected. It's more than what I sort of thought it was. And as I was playing it, I kind of had a feeling. I was like, oh, is this going to be like a frog fractions kind of thing? And I'm glad that it's not that. I'm glad that it, uh, you know, takes a takes an interesting turn. Uh, Alex, I wish you had heard these spoilers. Um, Armand swore a ton. It was nuts. He like... <laughs> He used a ton of like really sweary words. Nah. I could tell you guys were getting very animated. Um, yeah, I guess you know I'll be a play. I'm a play on it. I, wow. I personally, as I was playing it, I kind of felt like I saw what it was, and I, you know, it didn't, it didn't hook me. But just because I didn't get hooked doesn't mean that like, you know, it, it sounds like if I had just sort of stuck with it, it and I also realized that as I was playing it. The more that I was playing it, the more I wanted to be getting better at it. Yeah, maybe I, because I was playing on a keyboard, it was a little bit, uh, you know, there was a diminished kind of effect there. I'm going to be a play on this game. Armand, what about you? Yeah, definitely, definitely 100% play. It's a triple play! Like I said, this was the one I was expecting to enjoy the least, but was the one I ended up coming back to the most. Uh, I think the full thing was probably like three hours, two to three hours is how long it took me to like really just get through the whole game. Um, once you get enough of the upgrades, like, yeah, just like cheese the money system early on if you need to, just to get some of the basic upgrades, to, like make the rest of it more accessible. The torpedoes or bombs, as the game calls it, like opens the game up a lot, changes the way you play it a lot. Um, and the game really evolves as well, like the mechanically as you get deeper and get more unlocks um, as to how it all works. Um, and yeah, once once you get to that end game, man, it's it's something else. It's Dude, uh, that's incredible. That's absolutely <laughs> incredible. Yeah, okay. it's a sol- solid play. Fantastic. On to the next game we played, which was Crest, uh, Quest of Growl DX from the Ukraine Bundle by Pixelboy. It's a racing action, 2D fantasy, local multiplayer, pixel art, retro single player platformer. Crest of Growl is a multiplayer platform racing game. The goal is to reach the end of the level and grab the Golden Cup first. You can play alone against AI or with up to five, uh, excuse me, four players in a split screen 
You will not use only weapons. You will use not only weapons and magic items to make it through the mayhem, but also the power of golden statues, which unleash their special abilities. Explore more than 20 levels, including the Royal Camelot Castle, the Verdant Forest of uh, Brasilia, the teeming depths of the lake, and more. Discover the history of Arthur and Merlin's quest for the Grail by or Growl by unlocking storybook chapters as you play. Um, I picked this up and I, I fooled around with it for a little bit. I didn't play for a super duper long time, but I really enjoyed the, what it was. You know? I like, loved yeah. this game. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely loved it. It's so, uh, it's so smart. It's so funny because it's like, you know, it's kind of like Super Mario Mega Man, you know, but it's a race. I, it's like, you know, it felt like Sonic the Hedgehog kind of in that way, you know, like you're, you got to go fast. Well, it it's funny because it's like I, I, maybe somebody's done this before. But, you know, like as I've said on this, like if you're going to give me a platformer that is like has these aesthetics, you know, similar to these video games that I played, you know, growing up, like give me something innovative. And this is like definitely giving me something innovative. The only thing that the only complaint I have is like I don't have like friends <laughs> that i live with to play like we should have tried to figure out how to play this uh amongst us because i feel like if i was in you know like college this would be like a hundred percent a game that like me and my buds would just sink hours and hours into like i almost invited you over to play alex Oh, that would have been fun. Yeah, but you broke my computer last time you were here, so I, I was going to make that joke, but I was like, you know what? You're being a little mean to Eric. Just chill out. So I'm glad you made it yourself. He would have come over and fixed it for you, hopefully. No, <laughs> I'm just going to break it more. Well, <laughs> uh, I could I could give you guys a little help on this front. I actually did get to play this uh, with friends online, um, and the way we did it is there's a piece of software that's free. You can get it uh, on your PC called Parsec. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one before, uh, but no. Parsec basically lets you do screen sharing with also like control of the other person's system to some degree. Cool. And it's a great way to play um, local multiplayer games online. Uh, the lag isn't bad. I was playing with some guys in the UK, so the lag was actually a little worse than we would have liked because, you know, mm. doing screen share gaming together like across you know, the entire freaking planet is, yeah. <laughs> isn't great. Uh, but, we, you know, we got to play for like a good 40 minutes or so where we got to like, you know, like, all run against each other and try and try and survive this thing uh yeah it's um it's it was it was it was a lot of fun i could see this being a great couch, couch multiplayer uh it reminded me a bit of like like almost like mario kart yeah but like 2d because yeah. there's a lot of like you know screwing over the other guy to try and get to the front kind of thing um and yeah we and i i sort of like played through a lot of the ai stuff as well i unlocked all the stuff that you could which took under an hour i think and then the last thing you unlock is a dodgeball series of levels <laughs> where it's no longer about racing but it's about like picking up a ball and just flinging it as hard as you can at the other guys and knocking them out <laughs> that's uh, hilarious yeah it's, it totally changes up how the game works and is a lot of fun in its own right um and yeah no it's this is and like man and I, I, we haven't really talked about it but like the artwork is super cute the art like, is very yeah. cute yeah it's the music is great like it's really fun uh you know like the, the menus all feel like really fun to engage with and just the way it's all laid out is very intuitive it's very nice it's a very pretty game totally yeah right. i mean i also it's i love the like praying at the statues in order to get the powers of like these you know heroes or whatever i like you know, which well, like... that's my only thing is like you. There's the statues, there's the items, 
there it just feels like a little busy in terms of like all the different stuff that you can do yeah i think i think that initially i think that that's the thing where is initially that's an overwhelming kind of like it gives you a lot like the tutorial was like oh there's a lot of mechanics here yeah but i think like you know play this for six months and like get into it with your your friends and like you know like you're everyone's gonna get like different opinions about like whether or not like grappling hook you know is that actually like busted mechanic or not right like you know it's just sort of like this seems like the type of thing where yeah it might take a little bit you know up top to like get into it but you know like there seems to be like a lot to chew on which i think is gonna you know make for fun you know with with a game like this right you want to have kind of as many options you know you just want you want something to play with you want something to like fuck around with and and uh you know you want your strategies to be able to develop based on like whether or not you know like i could see myself playing this with like andy and simon and just being like, oh fucking andy is always you know picking up the sword or what you know just i don't know it seems it seems like this yeah this would be so fun to play I wish. It, it's, it seems like one of those games that's like easy to get into, but then you could spend a lot of time really learning the mechanics. Like early mm. on, like or like most of what we were doing early on, we were playing is just like, all right, I'm just gonna run as fast as I can and like platform as best as I can, and like I'm yeah. not gonna really worry about all the pickups and weapons and special moves and all that stuff because they are they are quite quite a bit much. Um, and I think I feel like if the game had introduced a dodgeball section earlier on, it would actually be a really good tool for new players to kind of learn how to interact with the game's mechanics better because mm. the the running part is just like you're yeah like i think one of you guys said it's like almost like sonic you're just trying to run as fast as you can mm-hmm. and race your um, opponents as much as you can but there are there is a lot of depth to how you interact with the the items and the, the abilities and all that stuff and kind of like yeah once you i think once you pick that up it can really open up this game um in ways that the the first initial impression of it isn't gonna suggest very obviously all right so pass or play uh armand why don't we start with you uh yeah if, especially if you can get some people to gather around a screen to play this thing it's a 100 percent play i could see this being a lot of fun with a bunch of people in the same room together um and if you can't do that something like parsec maybe even i think steam even has screen sharing options now if you have this game on steam there should be options to play this game without having to you know have real life friends in the, in the same <laughs> place that you do uh yeah it's yeah, the 2000s you don't need real life friends anymore <laughs> that's what the internet's for <laughs> but yeah no this, this is a this is a play this is a really just looks great sounds great um the, the developers uh itch page if you go check out their other games they've got tons of free games that all look and sound great as well like just this this art style carries across like a dozen or so games and there's even a free version of this that they've released that looks a lot more like old school game boy like just like you know oh, like cool. do a tone color style um that you can if you just wanted to try it out you can just play that version of it um i think that's also on their itch page just to kind of get a feel for it so yeah this is a this is obviously something that obviously had a lot of work that was put into it and is worth your time i think yeah what about you alex yeah, I'm looking at this uh, their page right now, and all of their games have gorgeous art and look really, really fun. Um, I'm definitely a play on this game. It's fucking fun and cool and like interesting. Like I had a really, really good time with my limited time with it, and I'd like to play some more. I am absolutely a play on this. It's a triple play. I think um, you know it made me. It 
it's like it's it's rare when these games no it's not rare uh but you know like I want to get my friends to play it. You know what I mean? Like, which doesn't always happen. You know, it, with, you know, like we, we play a lot of these games in the bundle and, uh, you know, they're, they're enjoyable, but it's not always like, Oh, I want to get my friends together to play this game. And this is one where I'm like, um, Splunky had a, uh, had a multiplayer, um, thing to it. That was super fun. And this reminds me a lot, of that but and i think that the racing aspect um you know it makes it ah, it's so cool it's fun it's like really a really smart uh smart idea they did a really good job here um, there, there's like a good like smash bros element to it as well just like yeah. sort of like combative aspects that if you if you're into that kind of thing like all like all these reference points like it really it it uses all these elements in like really creative and fun ways love it love it um, Okay, that's another triple play. We're on to our last game this week. This is going to be the one, this is the interesting one. This is Infinity from the Ukraine Bundle. It's by Barnacue, a puzzle action, uh, narrative, adventure, psychedelic, single-player, surreal, weird game. Description, challenge your mind a psychedelic journey of puzzles and meaningful encounters with time, poetry, memory, technology, war, and fatality. As hope drifts deeper into infinity, the world begins to suffer from his absence. There doesn't seem to be any way out, and hope is by nature doomed to carry on. Okay, so you boot up, boot up this freaking thing, and you're like launched out of this weird elephant spaceship. The art is absolutely bizarre. <laughs> the gameplay is essentially you, uh, the, at least in the first two levels that I might do, you, you're falling through like this plane and you have to kind of engage with the speed at which you move through it and the angle like the 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 planes through which you pass to try to like get into like a little hole that then will take you to the next and by uh, you, screen. you mean like a, yeah, a hand-drawn two-dimensional yes like, yes it's, <laughs> it's insane this game like you start playing and you're like what the fuck is this thing and the production value feels so low and then it feels very high at the same time i don't like i i don't quite know what to make of this thing um what did you guys think yeah yeah it's it's a very strange um like maybe our new potato thriller kind of yeah kinda, absolutely it's just sort of i mean it this is this is you know like when we talk about like the premise of the podcast you know sometimes you want to find just like a delightful gem of a game and sometimes you want like a straight up weird fucking experience yeah dude of a game that is like i don't know yeah that's obvious like that's a little amateur but also kind of part of the the you know the joy of it like the the drawings are so fucking like like strange. high school sketchbook yeah. <laughs> strange you're talking about like getting stoned and like opening up the like dimension or like the dimensions of your mind the infiniteness of your mind uh how much how far did you get into it armand i think i got to like maybe the third graveyard or gravestone, which is yeah. sort of like yeah. the worlds are in these graves. It's this is yeah, this was a wild one. Um, <laughs> maybe the fourth. I don't remember. No, I think it's just the third one. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, this was this is the one I was like, just when you guys first told me what the three games were, and I was looking at them, I was like, oh, this one's gonna be rad. I can't wait to see what weird ass thing this is gonna be. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, yeah, like when I was ready to play it, I like, you know, I sat down, I took a little edible, I was like, all right, ready to <laughs> ready to fucking explore this weird psychedelic world. And then it was immediately like, oh, this is a Twitch puzzler, which is yeah. not something I'm great at. Yeah, um, yeah, that was one of the weird parts. Uh, it was like, oh. It both requires you to think about it, but also move pretty quickly through it and be very dexterous. And uh, folks, that ain't your boy. You know I mean? <laughs> it's, it's it's definitely like puzzlers are not my strong point. I'm not really a big fan of puzzle puzzle video games. And if it's something that also requires me to be really quick with the controller, that's just like a double whammy against it. So that was definitely a struggle like it's one i kept thinking like throughout the week i was like i should go back and play more of that game and then every time i think about it I'd be like oh but oh my god no i don't want to <laughs> but um it, it most reminded me um and it's the, the most positive aspects of it it reminded me of braid uh i don't know mm -hmm. if you guys have played that classic uh indie game yeah um but yeah it had a, like braid is a game that you know like uses a lot of really creative puzzle solving uh, mechanics that also require you to be pretty good at platforming to pull off some of these things and just felt a lot like that um maybe not quite as polished obviously um right, as yeah. something like that but and like i i really wanted to see more of it i was like by the time i got to the third Set, like set of levels like you start messing with this weird mechanic where you zoom out of the screen like you can't yeah. zoom in yeah. yet um but like and the way the pos the position of your character who is this weird like silver naked man with broken wings um <laughs> who's like oh, but, but that's sometimes he has wings it's weird uh <laughs> like his position on the screen changes how the zoom out works and yeah. like what is revealed and what isn't and you have to like zoom out the screen in at the right time to like sort of like like reveal these walls that exist on the screen right, and so you don't want to touch the walls like pac-man move sort of from one side to the other like yeah. in order to yeah very pac-man slash bubble bobble and it's like we're like yeah if you go to the edge of the screen you pop out on the other side and that's one of the major mechanical components of this game is trying to like warp across the screen in ways that you're also not touching the walls and trying to get to these exits and it it is it is not easy <laughs> it is so, yeah and it's what i think is interesting is that oh, sorry i've been trying not to say interesting as much before what i find to be a, a um well it's like, i'm just going to say my what i think is interesting that is that the oh! no, this, this is a very interesting game there's no way yeah, around it it is an interesting game interesting is a great descriptor for this game that, um there is this adult swim like sort of narrative going on that is you know you trying to get back to yeah get your wings back um or escape infinity and um then that the gameplay itself feels disconnected from that you know what i mean the gameplay they designed kind of a very like traditional game you know like even even if it's not although there are yeah there are elements to it that are not traditional um i i think to me the the whole thing the, my my biggest thing about this game is that it just kind of fuck works so <laughs> even if like I like bizarre, weird things like this that feel like kind of a strange art experiment. Even if the genre of game it actually is isn't my favorite thing, 
I still was very compelled and very into it for the whole time. Um, and I, now this is another one of those things where it's like, I'd like to come back and play some more of it, even though I made it to a puzzle that was so frustrating. I like rage quit. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was, yeah. So that was kind of my experience too. Yeah. Was that I got to a point where I was just, I got, yeah, where I got annoyed with the gameplay, but I wanted to keep going because the fucking head trip weird, yeah. like writing an animation. I, I was like, there for yeah very much so there what there, there's this weird thing after you complete complete the first chunk of puzzles you kind of get just like plopped in this narrative <laughs> that you're just kind of clicking through like as stuff uh, like uh, you know is revealed to you and it's like really fun and funny and interesting and like stuff's happening it doesn't make any sense you're sort of drop in the middle of this thing and then i mean the whole premise is <laughs> there's this character who is like, you're not ready like to consume this like soup of plants that will basically trip you out and then like bring you further into infinity. So <laughs> there's also this thing that pops up that says like, it's, it's like 900,000, 90,000 like, days since the incident, which I don't understand. Like there's no explanation of what the incident is. Maybe that's like losing your wings. That's the only thing I could think of that it could possibly be. Yeah. But you could you spend a bunch of time like time passes in the game for no reason and then like it's been longer since the incident and you're ready now to consume the soup you drink the soup and you just see this like psycho trip for a second like it's basically you become like there's a there's a, a weird like sort of dragon character that you're sort of like focused on for a second and then you burst out of its head and your arm is missing all of a sudden <laughs> And I'm just like, this fucking rips. It's sign me up for this damn shit. And then you're back in the puzzle of it all. Just like sort of drifting through this thing where you have to control your speed and zoom out to kind of affect what you can get through. Um, and it, it, this is where it's like, oh, this is not like a little like weird uh, art project that someone made. This is like a real ass game even you know it, there's like it's cool like there's cool stuff happening and it seems like there's a high degree of like sophistication and like how it's being executed it's just really hard <laughs> you yeah, know I, 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 I think a lot of thought and work went into this like yeah. the puzzle the puzzle design is definitely there's a lot of like clever work yeah. that went into it that uh, as i mean as i think we're sort of discovering the three of us were just not the right audience for the gameplay style mm -hmm. but but there's yeah there's a, there's a definite level of sophistication and there's the story and writing, while very strange and in some ways almost amateurish, but was also like there's like a sincerity to it that I really appreciated. Like it wasn't cynical at least in the parts I saw. It it felt like whoever was telling the story like wanted to tell some sort of like really strange psychedelic story about hope and dreams and poetry and all these weird things persona like poetry is a dog that wants to get high like it's just <laughs> wild man and it, yeah I, I was like at sometimes i was like maybe i should just go on youtube and see if anyone just has like you know like an actual play of this so i can oh yeah i don't have to play it myself but i can just see where it goes and like how weird this is and kind of like in the vein of like the other games that we played like if you go to the itch page for this developer like they've got a dozen games that have the exact same art style, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I assume, you know, or I presume have very different mechanics or I hope have very different mechanics. Uh, this is a thing this guy does, you know, like it's just make these weird ass, just visually just strange games. Like it, it kind of reminded me of this really old school uh, PlayStation game called LSD simulator. I think is what it's called. <laughs> that was this Japan only PlayStation game that was meant to like simulate the experience of being on LSD 
like it had the like it just it's wild man like not yeah it's it's something else <laughs> all right so uh eric what are, how, how are we feeling are we a pass or a play yeah i'm a play on this game i think you know like i've said the the puzzle I, it it feels disjointed slightly in that the experience of the puzzle was did not feel totally 100 percent uh you know connected to this like very strange narrative that was going on um and i you know found myself getting frustrated at the puzzles in the way that you get frustrated with puzzles and and what was actually especially aggravating was i really wanted to see where this narrative stuff was going it's a play it's so strange it's so funny it's so or you know and so um I, I think you're you're right, Armand. That sincere and that like the desire to tell this story was was very front and center, and it didn't have this like, it wasn't flippant. It wasn't it it never apologized for what it was. You know, we 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 play some games every once in a while where the writing is like, isn't it funny that I'm writing a game? And it's like, no, motherfucker, you're writing a game, and I'm playing the game. Don't you know, like, don't go like, hey, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, th- this is like. Nah, this is what we're doing. We're here. We're going down. It's going to be wacky. You're going to have a, like a trippy time. Uh, this is, it, you know, it's one. It's a classic bundle game. In it's rough around the edges. So strange. You're right. The dog. I forgot that there was a dog named Poetry. Right. When you forget that there's a dog named Poetry, you know you're playing a fucking wacky ass game. This is uh, this is super fun. Very cool. Check it out. Uh, Ar- Armand, how about you? Yeah, this is um, like this. The gameplay was definitely not my thing. Uh, this is something that was causing me a lot of anxiety when I was actually playing it and like a lot of frustration. <laughs> you know what's funny? It's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I was getting like, and a little bit about this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, but like I, like I said, I wanted to go on YouTube and see if anyone has a playthrough of the game just to kind of see more of it. But like, I'll say like, yeah, if you're into games like Braid that are these puzzle games, um, where each new sort of like set of set of levels changes up the mechanics in new ways and adds. I, I could only imagine like by the time you get to like the seventh or eighth um, graveyard, quote unquote, uh, or like set of levels, like it's probably doing all sorts of wild ass things that we never even got to experience. Like if if that's your jam, like this seems like a definitely like something to explore. Like it's it's strange. It's very unique. It's not like anything I've played, and I've played a lot of goofy weird indie games over the last you know like 15 years or so and this is this stands out you know so if that's your jam like 100 give this game a shot it's it's it feels like it's something worth exploring further if, if only i just was not so uh stressed out from the actual gameplay yeah. of it. so yeah, yeah. That's play that's another play and no surprise on my end i'm a, definitely a play on this fucking rocks it's a that we, I didn't mention, but it reminds me a lot of Foresighted Fantasy, the game where you're kind of freezing the screen to enter uh, the different corner of it, except this is like moving even faster than that. Like, yeah. it's sort of like, do you, do you know that, uh, like, it's like a, um, like a Chuck E. Cheese kind of game where there's like a metal rod that you have to guide through a maze kind of yeah. a thing. There's a lot of threading going on. That's kind of like that. So you have to have a steady hot hand and balls of fucking steel to play this thing. But <laughs> if, if you're like someone who likes to like do acid and then play that kind of game, this is essentially like made for you. 
You know, like this is like more or less your thing. I am so into this sort of shit. This is like when we talk about picking up the bundle and like finding weird games, this is exactly what I was hoping it would be. I was wish there was another weird, like weirdish.io that was only games like this, you know? (laughs) Uh, So you can. We should make this is a list that we should make of the like the freaky deaky, you know, like. I think freaky deaky is a great way to put it. Yeah, the freaky deakies. The freaky deaky. But yeah, this is definitely a. a, a this gets the top. freaky deaky seal. <laughs> this ain't your daddy's video game. Yeah. Oh, right. 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 My, you know, my dad loved acid, so it was my daddy's <laughs> video game. Is this? Is this? Oh man, I can't believe I'm about to say. This. Is this a triple play, guys? Or like yeah. The whole, this the is whole a series? triple triple play. <laughs> you got a. You got a very solid week of games, which is fascinating. Hell yeah. You know? <laughs> um. Well, great. Armand, that those are the games. Uh, where can folks find you online? What would you like to plug? Uh, what's going on? Uh, yeah, you can uh, you can check out my stuff on just a hobby game. Like, man, I, I should have had this up in front of me so I could make this an easier reference point rather than just struggling with words right now. Uh, if you look up the word or, or the game Huntervania on the internet, it'll take you right there. Uh, on itch.io, it's just a hobby games. Um, you'll find it. Uh, if you want to check out some of my games, I would suggest if, if you want to play something with a group of people, um, Huntervania is probably a good one, though it's it's a little rough around the edges. There's I need to update some of the rules. That doesn't matter. If you want to check out a single-player journaling game I made, uh, which is something I did during the COVID quarantine time um, for, a, for a game jam. We have game jams for tabletop RPGs too, guys. Cool. Uh, there's can a game you believe on, it? <laughs> there's a game I made called Start Here, which is a journaling game where you can play it by yourself, and it's kind of silly. It's sort of, the point of it is to explore um, like new ways of like culture and society that are non-violent and more about um, kind of like almost like an anarchist perspective on culture and society and government not like you know like fuck yeah punk rock anarchy like you know like fuck the system but like more of like the actual political philosophies behind anarchism it was sort of like where i based a lot of start here um all my art i I can't draw um i'm a graphic designer though so all my art i'll just get from um kind of like public domain artwork from 100 years ago which is there's a ton of it out there it's really wild uh start here i think is a pretty fun to look at thing um yeah, check it out. It's 100% free. Uh, all my games are free, and that's a good place to start. And if you're interested in what Invaders sounded like, uh, XCOM, but like more about the people, uh, you know, follow follow my itch page. Um, about to start um, play testing the game in the next few weeks, I think. So hopefully, I'll have something that I can release to the public in the next couple of months. And yeah, that's that's me. That's that's the only thing I have to promote for people amazing well thank you so much for reaching out and uh letting us know about you know the whole ttrpg of it all on itch and coming on and like educating our fucking dumbasses about <laughs> it we really appreciate it and uh hopefully your bundle buddies experience as a listener this peek behind the curtain was uh pleasant and you'll keep on listening to the podcast now that <laughs> have been on uh, but thank you so much for being a guest my pleasure this has been this has been an absolute joy That was a great episode of Bundle Buddies. Alex, I think we're getting really good at this. I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Next week, we got no guests. It's just Matt, Eric, and Alex. Alex is me. Chopping it up. Yeah. It's going to be a chop zone. The pre-summer select sale. Uh, Maybe you got it. Maybe you got some games. Uh, Maybe the ranch is done. (laughs) 
Maybe you have also been uh, denning with the ratch. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I like that idea of like den- denner with the ratch. Denner the with ratches. The, the ratch. Uh... <laughs> the ratch is denner. The ratch is denner. I'm having a real denner of a night with the uh... ratch. <laughs> Uh, what games are we playing next week, Alex? We're playing, of course, Buck Up and Drive from Fabio Fantes, a racing action fighting 3D arcade beat 'em up driving endless game maker game that's also procedurally generated. Welcome to Elk from Triple Topping, a 2D atmospheric, colorful female protagonist exploration story rich single player adventure game. And, of course, the, the titular is dead. From Mr. Ratch himself. Let's get ready to Ratch Den! From Puncake, Delicious. A survival 8-bit atmospheric dungeon keeper fantasy management. Pico 8, pixel art, roguelite, single player, turn-based. Made with Asperite. 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 It's French. Asperite. A cigarette. Um, that's it. Like and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review there, please, or anywhere. Uh, check us on the web at bundle underscore buddies or on Twitter. W or uh, check us on the web at bundle underscore buddies on Twitter or www.bundlebuddiespodcast.com. That's it. What do you want to say to the good people as we go out on on this one, Eric? You know what? Summer is here. Honestly, fucking go for it. Go whatever, for it. Whatever you've been holding back on, you got to just go for it right now. Get hang off, up. Hang get up this phone up and podcast, go for it. Hang up this podcast and freaking go for it. Okay? Go go, go, go for it. Go, 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 go for it. Sweet. Go for the fucking fences. You have my permission. Tell them Eric sent you. Yeah, tell them Eric sent you. <laughs> and tell them Alex likes you. <laughs> And speaking of liking you, I love you, Eric. Love you too, Alex. Bundle Buddies is produced by Matthew Haddock. Our theme song is Neo Shiki by Roll Music. Email bundlebuddiespodcast at gmail.com to say hi. Hi.